Roger, Roger. Roger, Roger. Welcome back, everybody, to the Roger Roger podcast. We are officially starting episode two. I am one of your hosts, Derek, and we also have Charles. Hello, everybody. Happy to be back for the second episode of Roger Roger. And you know, Derek, it's episode two, but we're going to be talking about episode (laughs) one. Isn't that right? (laughs) That's true. We have a whole episode planned on just episode one. Um, (laughs) And um, instead of the Phantom Menace, we're going to be talking about the Jedi Menace. Ooh. Yeah. These guys have caused a lot of issues in the world of Star Wars and the entire galaxy. They have, <laughs> they've done a lot of good things, but they have also fell short a few times. This is kind of a follow-up to that trend we see online a lot of um, the Empire did nothing wrong. You know, we're, we're at episode one, so there's no Empire yet. But this is kind of like the Jedi did do stuff wrong. You know, that's kind of the, the, the message that we're getting out there. And... I always thought this idea of the Empire doing nothing wrong was super interesting. Mm-hmm. So Derek and I were like, hey, let's put that lens on you know, the very beginning to episode one and see where maybe this Empire did nothing go wrong have its origins and how did the Jedi kind of set themselves up for failure. And there's a few things you could point to, I think, in, in episode one. So I'm happy to, happy to get into it. Yeah, I think there's clearly things you could point to in episode one. Now, I don't think the Empire didn't do any, uh, did nothing wrong. They've definitely done quite a bit. Wrong. <laughs> oh yeah, like yeah. the massive like genocide, like blowing up planets. That's just pure evil. <laughs> but if you look past right. that, it's like there's no, some I, good. Right, you're things. talking about the, um, the like the day in the life of an average galaxy citizen under Empire rule. Their lives might have become a little better. Yeah, and you know, I'm happy to talk about the whole Empire did nothing wrong discussion. I, you know, they yeah, they had to make them evil to make it good right. versus evil. So yeah, the Emperor is a cackling, like evil mastermind. But you know, the idea but, of an yeah. Empire is actually quite the accomplishment, and um, the the Jedi can be seen as some sort of like um, radical terrorist group. <laughs> Depending on whose perspective you ask, yeah. you know. So yeah. le- let's take it through. I before we really get into it, um, w- when was the last time you had seen episode one before the preparation for this episode? Not too long ago. I watched. Oh, really? Yeah, I watched the movies. You know, not regularly, but semi more than I watch other movies. If I'm, you know, I've within the last two years have I seen episode one. Okay, for me and it's I've been seen, a little longer. Right. I think. I. I, I oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just gonna say, like episode four, I've seen way more recently. Um, Return. Uh, Re- um, Revenge of the Sith, I saw recently. Mm. But episode one, that's kind of only if I'm watching them all in order. Will I ever really go back to that one? <laughs> I I watched these maybe six years ago. And uh, this is my first time watching like the remasters. I watched it on Disney Plus, and that's a huge uh, leap. <laughs> it was a leap, but I, I I was gonna ask you if you think it holds up. But you've seen it semi recently. Um, okay. What, what, what was your I, experience? Yeah. Now, so here's I watched it. Uh, the, I watched this time on Disney Plus, which I actually think is a little different than my Blu-ray copies. I have the Blu-ray mm-hmm. six um, episode pack. 
Oh. I think there might be a couple of extra scenes in this, or maybe it's just I glossed over some of the parts um, <laughs> from the Blu-rays. Like, there's a Darth Maul scene where he talks about revenge in this, on the Disney Plus version, that I didn't remember at all. I thought that... I kind of remembered that scene. Like, at last we'll have our revenge. Like, yeah. I remember that line. No, I did not remember that at all. I mean, I, what do I know? Who knows? <laughs> um, okay, but so to answer your question... No, it does not hold up. If you watch this right, if you watch this movie as a movie, just somebody going to a movie theater to watch a movie or even sit down on your couch and you have no nothing of Star Wars, you're not already a fan, this movie is bad. It starts off kind of <laughs> troubling. I have in my notes uh, a, a quote, the taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. See? And you're like, see, I don't oh, mind that. No. I'm into that. <laughs> you, no, what? I'm into that. Yes. To me right away, I, I was like, oh man, no. no wonder this movie was <laughs> was doomed. But I, I, I think as a fan of the Star Wars memes, you know, as a man of, of yes. culture on the internet, there is a lot to appreciate in this movie. There... Well, that's where I was going to. Um, so as a moviegoer, it does not hold up. As somebody who's a Star Wars fan and you could watch it as an experience to enjoy, it's a lot of fun. I agree completely. I had a, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Yep. And there's a lot about it that I really like. And there's a lot of things that make me go, why, Jedi? What were you thinking? <laughs> like, how could you be so... Um, uh, how could you just ignore all of these signs and yeah. and just be content in your little tower of in your in your room of chairs talking to each other? I mean, it's while nice all the stuff is going on, it, it it's a great room. I'm not going to deny them that. Those chairs look pretty comfy too. Uh, but uh, I mean, they've, the Sith are out there and they're not doing anything. And I, and I guess that's what we are we're kind of dedicating this episode to. Uh, yeah. Is there a place you? You wanted to start with this whole Jedi menace? Well, I was going to go just in order, just chronologically uh, as it, but you said something that piqued my interest. Uh-huh. Um, they them, uh, they were in their ivory tower in the Jedi Temple, yes. not concerned with anything, and you mentioned the Sith. The first thing that happens when uh, Qui-Gon mentions he thinks there's a Sith Lord about, uh, Yoda, I have it over here, I wrote it down, Yoda and Mace Windu just said, nah, I can't be a Sith, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I have they actually, totally blow them Mace off. Windu goes, impossible, I do not believe we would not have noticed, Right. where it's like, I can't even conceive me not noticing that the Sith yeah. are about, where it's like, well, dude, it's happened. He you, works down the hall. Yeah, you may. <laughs> yeah, you, you may want to investigate that. Right. You know, there's um, some very substantial claims being made by Guai Jin in these moments that you might want to look into. Right. When's the last time you had a lightsaber fight with a guy with a red lightsaber? There's obviously something going on here. <laughs> yeah, and that they, must have been a shocking yeah. sight for sure. That that's like the first canon red lightsaber, and so. You have to... Well, Darth Vader had a red lightsaber. Yeah, but Maul is before Vader. Well, oh, okay. Well, canon implies the release order. Oh, well, I meant like... Yes, yes, yes. Of this age, this is the first time they've seen one, and who knows how long. It must have been shocking. And... uh, from our perspective, we know what it is because we've seen episodes, you know, four, five, and six. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was... uh, it was uh, it, it should have been more of a red flag, if you will, than um, <laughs> than it was. And to me, 
where I wanted to start, if we're going chronological order, for me, like the first thing I would talk about is just Guaikan Jin as a character could be kind of for me. I always thought of Guai Guaikan Jin as the I think like, it's Qui Gon. Qui Gon, thank you. Qui- I, I, it sounded completely wrong as I was saying it. Qui Gon Jin, and um, he is what I imagine like he's more of a traditionalist in terms of what a Jedi should be. He's not up there in the tower in the chairs going around in politics. He's more content being out in the world. Uh, you know, he's more focused on causes than in yeah. politics, and he's more interested in his connection with the Force than in being a good mm-hmm. Jedi. And yes. even Yoda had made a comment, right? Like, oh, you should be sitting among us, right? But you're not. Um, I like, think, oh, yeah, I, Obi-Wan actually said that. He said something along the lines of, you would be on the council if you followed the code more often. Because that, you know, I think Qui-Gon is a very powerful Force user, but he mm. does not listen to the Jedi Code. He does what he feels the Force wants him to do. And looking at the, watching this movie through a specific lens instead of just watching it as a fan, mm. I have a way deeper appreciation for Qui-Gon. He is a very interesting character. A lot. I tracked down basically every Force-related thing he said this time, and... It's it, his thought process is really like you said, what the Jedi really should be versus what they've become. Like when Yoda, even Yoda, is bogged down in bureaucracy for most of this movie. Yeah, and l- like you said, it's interesting to look through the movies in this kind of lens because Yoda almost seems like the most, not like the most um, single-minded of anyone. Yeah, you're yeah. like, wow, he's really not giving credence to these things. But to c- talk about but talk about Qui-Gon, it's, it's, he is so fascinating when you go back because he's kind of what Anakin needed and he's what the Jedi needed. And that's why he had to go. I I think, you know, because he's kind of this reminder of what the Jedi were supposed to be. These people dedicated to the force and their connection Mm -hmm. with the force and they had no business in politics and as they became more political and to the point where they're generals and armies it they started to lose favor with people and it was Sidious's plan all along to kind of trick them into these political games where Guaycon was just like no that's not what Jedi are about that's not what I'm about like I do these things because I want to connect with the force and you got to give him credit for he was one of the first ones to like reach out from the afterlife right he was in millennia i think he he was the first to know i think that was a lost art i mean this is now going into legends versus canon (laughs) but i think in i think for millennia he is the first light side force user to do it for ages i and i think that has a lot to do with the fact that he's so focused on his connection with the force over he even politics. said the living force multiple times and nobody ever drops that line besides i think a couple of times in the clone wars when they go to that really um really trippy force planet i forgot <laughs> yeah <laughs> right i remember that yeah. trippy th- those episodes are pretty wild they uh, were cool though i like <laughs> diving more into uh, the force. to me like it reminds me of when 
Qui-Gon is like, oh, you have midichlorians flowing through you. You're mm, like, well, the, the Force clearly, this was clearly an afterthought of the Force that we're putting in, or it feels yeah. that way anyway. The Force was better when it was not understood and more of this uh, high magic system, where soft magic system, I would say, right. where you don't really know how it works. And then to try and define it and put an origin story behind it and stuff was a little weird. But if anyone was going to do it, it was going to be Qui-Gon. So I think... Mm-hmm. When we are talking about this lens of the Jedi menace, I think it's important to, like, there was a reason, like, Gwaikon was at odds with the Council, and I think that shows the schism that was taking place in, like, what a Jedi was and what a Jedi is in terms of being bureaucratic, which it it shows how they've lost their way, and it almost kind of justifies Anakin in some way before he goes off and kills all those younglings but well, before yeah, that no, they, he was like I agree. from my point of view the Jedi like, are evil and it's like yeah. you could make that case before you killed all those innocent people <laughs> if you didn't do that I wouldn't say evil but misguided for sure because so if we're talking about Anakin one of the things that I uh, I took serious note of is that the whole oh, we're not going to train you. We're going to be afraid of you. I mean, there's a whole, I got a whole, we're going to talk about this later. Yeah. But just quickly, they could have just, you know, comforted him, gave him, you know, Qui-Gon was, he wasn't even dead at that point. He could have been a real um, apprentice to him. And if he grew up and learned the Jedi ways under that umbrella, he would not have turned out like that. Oh, yeah. I feel like Qui-Gon would have been more understanding of Anakin's struggles and not Mm -hmm. so much as dismissive. And the Jedi, like, oh, you got to cut yourself off from that and, and, like, ignore that side of yourself. But Qui-Gon's like, you have to be part of the living force. Like, these emotions that you're feeling are are, are part of the universe. And I don't think Qui-Gon would ever advocate for blocking off parts of yourself. He would advocate for, here's why we live this way. It helps us when we do feel, like, anger or hatred. We can find solace and truth in the pursuit of being one with the Force. And that whole side was lost, and that's what caused... Anakin to be able to create Darth Vader was that whole philosophy of the Jedi getting washed away. Qui-Gon was kind of like the last person that understood that. And Obi-Wan had to learn it the hard way, basically, watching everything fail around him. So Qui-Gon's super interesting. So sad that this is all we get of Mm -hmm. him because this whole concept of like different kinds of Jedi and schism in the Jedi is just super interesting and super underdeveloped in these movies, which is the biggest crime of episode one is that we didn't get to actually have some sort of ethical dilemma or schism in the Jedi order or anything. We just got, Oh, the Jedi are perfect the whole way. And here's, here's, it's like, well, all these things were happening. And, and that's why watching the movie through this lens was just so much fun. Mm Mm-hmm. And but speaking of specifically um, Anakin and uh, if he was an apprentice to Qui Gon, one of the first Force-related things uh, he says in the movies is that not negotiations will be short. I have that in quotes, but that is very quick. <laughs> but he also says to um, um, Obi Wan starts he's he senses something's off, and Qui Gon says. You know, don't worry too much about the future. Worry about the future because Master Yoda said to do that. But don't let it get in the way of the moment and the now. And that would have really helped Anakin specifically because yes. he's having and that future dreams so where everything early goes. Early in the movie, right? It's like away. one of his first lines. Yes. Yeah. 
and for, it's like a really weird thing to say right at the beginning of a movie. It's like, oh, Master Yoda said this. Like, we all know who Master yeah. Yoda is, so George well, Lucas got they, away with it. Drop, yeah. yeah, but it's already inviting this comparison of Qui-Gon being at odds with Yoda. And yeah. that, to me, is just super fascinating. And it's interesting that Qui-Gon is, was trained by Yoda. So mm-hmm. that kind of influence... Well, yeah, it seems he picked up on a lot of the good Yoda and not the code-driven Yoda. And maybe Yoda believed all those things, and then as he was getting more and more comfortable in the tower, drifted away from it. Mm -hmm. But I firmly – Yoda has a very strong understanding of the Force and became one with the Force eventually uh, in um, Empire or Return of the Jedi, I think. Empire, um, I think. Empire. So – we give. I think he had to learn his lessons the hard way too. Uh, he even admits in like episode three, he's like failed. I have or or something like that, and go into exile. I must, you know. And, and he basically was going back to his roots, essentially, to try and reconnect with the Force. And that's what Guaycon was doing from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and another thing, speaking of you know early early movie, something that threw me off right away was reading the title crawl again. Yeah. So the Supreme Chancellor dis- secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights for negotiations. This does not sound like what warrior monks should be doing. Exactly. So <laughs> I think you know this is the beginning of the Jedi getting right. Like that, the line between Jedi and government gets a little blurred. You could tell that the Jedi originally were not bureaucratic <laughs> delegates, yeah. but they were at some point mediators between different groups, and they had powers that let them be you know, negotiators. But with that power came more and more opportunities to delegate until all of a sudden they have stakes in these politics. They work for the Supreme Chancellor, essentially. He sent them to... Be a in a covert mission, yeah. Like in a covert mission, it, 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 the whole thing seems kind of silly when you think about what Jedi are supposed to be. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I mean, it ended up working out because there was an actual like plot to take over the planet, <laughs> and they were so so. It luckily, not luckily. That's why the story takes place there. Um, but if this was a normal trade blockade where it was literally just. Hey, you need to. I, forget, I don't know really even know the reason. You were, you, we, you need to pay us more money to get your trade or whatever the hell it was. They were and squeezing they were sent, for tariffs. <laughs> right. Oh, you're right. There you go. So uh, the, under that guise, it wouldn't make sense to sh- throw Jedi at the problem. It happened to be with this. It does make sense. But they got lucky with that. Yeah. It. It's. I. I think they almost got. It was almost like dumb luck is what it feels like. Like the senator really wasn't expecting to metal with a Sith plot when he sent them out there and no absolutely not. I don't think that Palpatine oh was... not the senator the chancellor yeah 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 the chancellor right, right 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 thank you I don't think the chancellor was expecting to be all of a sudden meddling in Sith plots and I don't think Palpatine was expecting them either so it was kind of interesting to see how he handles it and when he greets them later, he's like, oh, thank goodness you were there. Like, all those kinds of yeah. things. You're like, okay, I, I see. I mean, he's smooth. He is he's smooth. Oh, he is a mastermind. And he understood this game that the Jedi were playing. Like, they their image problem, basically, by the time they get to um, Revenge of the Sith. And he played it super well and turned the public yeah. against the Jedi. Because he understood the balance of, like, pursuing the Force versus getting 
all muddled up in bureaucracy and he was able to play that narrative against them and it all starts right here in this movie something you had mentioned that i thought was super interesting was this idea of qui-gon being the master to anakin and another mistake that the jedi make in my opinion is allowing obi-wan to train anakin i don't think there's a a worse person for the job honestly than very Obi-Wan. interesting because obi-wan he's too invested they're 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 like brothers you know that's what they say in the movie right so he lets anakin get away with a lot and he sees him more as like hey brother like we're in this together as opposed to like father-son mentality like qui-con had and I just think he wasn't able – like, they got along really well. They were best friends. They were brothers. But they weren't master and apprentice situation. Um, I I have to disagree with you. I see what you're saying. I I do think I would agree that Qui-Gon would have been a, a, a master – I mean, I can't say you're wrong because he turned into Darth Vader. <laughs> I think this was a mistake I, by Yoda okay, to okay, allow this on, to happen. On, let me let – me, okay, I don't okay. think – I don't think it's Obi-Wan's fault that he turned into Darth Vader. I think a more I think Qui-Gon would have been would have stopped him from turning into Darth Vader. But I think Obi-Wan was a good master for him because like you said, he let him get away with a little more. If if Anakin was so structured like the rest of the Jedi, he would have quit the Jedi Order, which I guess would have been better anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, all no, right, I, all right. I think that's the issue, right? I think Obi-Wan cut him a little too much like this fine line that i mean i don't think obi-wan did anything wrong i just think the fact that that situation was allowed to exist in the first place was a mistake by yoda because even yoda was like no you shouldn't and then obi-wan's like but i want to train the boy and then Yoda's like okay (laughs) and you're like that's not how decisions should be made as a as a leader but okay that that was bizarre but i get it needs to happen um But it, what Yoda's like? No, you just became a master like two minutes ago. You're not training. Not even this a master, kid. a knight. A knight. Yeah, he's like you became a knight like two minutes ago. We're not. You know, w- this guy needs special attention from someone that he doesn't have a relationship with that can teach him the ways from the beginning. And you could have picked anyone. And there's some interesting theories out there of like who would have been the best, you know, apprentice for. Anakin, master. you mean master? I subscribe, yeah. yeah, master. And I apply, I apply the theory that Plo Koon would have been really good as an apprentice for Anakin. I don't know, but you could about, speculate. Yeah. He likes to. He's a really good pilot, <laughs> like Anakin is, and he seems and he's to a be friend a really of the fair. He's a friend of the Wookiees, and he seems very stern but fair. And yeah. in the Clone Wars, he's always, you know. Oh wait, Plo com- Koon is friends with Ahsoka. He's yeah. He with- discovered Ahsoka. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, he's the okay. bug-looking right. guy. Yeah. He discovered Ahsoka originally. Okay. So I could see that. I mean, you could make a case for almost anyone except like Mace Windu, but he would have been I horrible. I was thinking of what is his name, Kai Mundi, maybe. <laughs> oh, Kai Mundi, yeah. I, I just, thought that's who you were talking about. No, 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 not Kai, not Banana Head. I'm talking yeah. about a uh, bug guy. <laughs> he's a friend of the Wookies. <laughs> yes, he's a friend of the Wookies. Because <laughs> I was bad, like, was Plokun? I didn't no. know enough about like Plokun's extended lore that I was going to challenge you. But in my no. mind, I was like, no, I didn't I, uh... know that about Plokun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had the wrong. 
<laughs> I was crossing memes. My, oh, that yeah. Was my you bad. Don't cross the memes. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, that's all to say that we're talking about the mistakes the Jedi make in this movie. And I argue, I put forth to the audience that allowing Obi-Wan to take on Anakin as an apprentice was a mistake. I I have to say I agree. Hearing it out, I agree. But I think he could have been a fine master, and he was a fine master, if oh, yeah. in episode two and three, the Jedi Council handled themselves very differently with Anakin. Yes, that is very fair. Yeah. The Council did a lot to create the situation. Like, I don't blame Obi-Wan at all. I think right. he honestly did a really admirable job job he, the whole way a through good job. he got so you know he became one of the most the most power on well, the maybe not the but one of the most powerful jedi out there under obi-wan's tutelage you know for sure and anakin was able to really shine in the clone wars for those reasons mm-hmm. and they had a great relationship and it's fun to watch them together like they are obviously yeah. they do they are very compatible so it was fun to watch that i just think they're too close in age and like I don't think Obi Wan was experienced enough with having a Padawan that he got too yeah. difficult a case, and then when of course the it was really the continued bureaucracy of the council mm-hmm. that really put Anakin over the edge. But right. you know I, I think a more seasoned like Jedi Council member that was more understanding would have been able to maybe kind of navigate these things a bit better. Obi-Wan was a little bit too far on the outskirts to to have any experience with having a Padawan or navigating the bureaucracy of the Council. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Obi-Wan was very good at navigating the bureaucracy of the Council, but I do agree that there are certain things about the Force, about just (laughs) life, and about, you know, navigating the Jedi Code that... Obi-Wan t- tried to teach Anakin, but Anakin just, he was, maybe wasn't stern enough. Maybe, I don't know. I, I agree with that, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, it's a what, good point. What, what I didn't even think of that attention? one. That to me, I was because Yoda was going. He was waffling on the on his opinion on what to do, and I was like, you should have yeah. stuck with it because it was a mistake. Honestly, they should have been training together, checking yeah. up together, hanging out socially, but. Master yeah, but Apprentice? Qui-Gon thought it was a good idea. He, you know, he was adamant about it. Was his dying wish? He was. He must but have I, thought the force he was, was worried, pushing though. him that way. Yeah. He wanted someone that he knew was gonna actually love Anakin to be around him because he knew the council was like on the fence about him. And it's like none of those council members really want him. But I do believe yeah. he's the chosen one. I need an advocate for Anakin, which. Obi-Wan was his only hope, dare I say, at the time. (laughs) And that's a good point, because he, you know, Qui-Gon knew he was, um, he felt the fear in him from leaving his mother, and he he knew all of that, so he picked Obi-Wan as somebody that would be, in his eyes, a very good master. And he was, but you're right. He was a great master, and I, I think in times of peace obi-wan would have been the perfect master but uh it's just the the reality was i think he was too green he didn't know what he was doing with anakin as a padawan and it kind of got away from him a little bit uh obi-wan wasn't really able to see or maybe um confront the conflicts that anakin was going through because they were too friendly with each other 
where he there was just this misconnect of what was yeah. really going on. So or I, not even a misconnect, he, just an over. You know, I, I'm pretty sure at the end of the Clone Wars, uh, at least towards the end, Obi Wan knew uh, Anakin was dating Padme. Or married at that point. Oh yeah, he he knew, and he knew throughout the Clone Wars too. He allowed right. it to happen, and he is empathetic because we know from the Clone but I think Wars that was he went the right through move. his own romance. I think so too. I think Obi Wan kind of inherited some of Gwai Khan's um, philosophies of like, hey, these aren't rules that necessarily are part of being a a Jedi as much as they are of being part of the Jedi Order, and right. that seems to be an important distinction uh, that Obi Wan's willing to mess around with that line but mm-hmm. i think you know he needed someone who was maybe gonna push back on that a little bit or at least help him navigate the bureaucracy of it a little bit better he ignored it because he was his friend and adjusted sometimes because he was his master it was a bit too messy of a line between friend and master that yeah i i i think kind of let anakin down a little bit not through any fault of obi-wan's alone but just the whole situation was unfortunate yeah i'm I'm going to agree with your point with the caveat of i don't know if he would have had a better master i know you people I, i'm <laughs> sure there's theories but I, I think it was a good fit as good a fit as maybe you could get but yoda it, it was probably the wrong move like you said yeah, Guaycon would have been the best, but Yoda should have not let it happen, in my opinion. Like, that's just a bad leadership move. Yeah. It's like yeah. you don't it's... let your – you don't put, like, two friends – to like, have one friend be in charge of the other friend. It's just well, like, they weren't friends like at that move. point. Obi-Wan was yeah, kind that's of – that's fair. He even called him uh, – what did he say? Uh, let me remember. I, <laughs> I think we've picked up another pathetic life form. Oh yeah, I do kind of remember that. Yeah, he flat out well, called that. That's pretty Anakin. harsh, <laughs> right? And then Qui Gon <laughs> said, "Yeah, yeah he just you know." So I, uh, they weren't. He was probably a very stern Obi Wan esque master at the beginning, and then he turned into uh, hello there. Yeah, I love hello there, Obi Wan though. Oh, he's the best. I like he's all versions best. of Obi Wan. I can tell you're really advocating for him today. <laughs> I'm a he's, big Obi-Wan fan, he's, too. He's, I think, my favorite character, at least in the prequels. I was getting those vibes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gwaikon really stood out for me this time around watching the yeah. movies. It's unfortunate that he got the treatment that he did, but it had to happen. It did have to happen, but talking about you know him dying, spoilers... Uh, <laughs> but during that fight, I watched it like twice. He had the upper hand for most of that fight. It really didn't make sense for him to get knocked in the head and then stabbed. In my he... opinion, the power balance of that fight was a little off. Uh, I agree with you because I, I mean, don't, Maul I don't know. was backstepping. He was back. He fell off. He knocked Maul... him off that railing. Well, there's and no maybe railings Maul in Star was, Wars. Maybe was Maul was just fainting. Yeah, could no be. railings, of course. It Maul could have been fainting to lure him in or something. Like we know, like my understanding of Maul is that he is an accomplished blade master, but a little weak on the Force is my understanding compared to other Sith lords and Jedi masters and things. He he balances. He's like a little stronger in the sword fighting and a little weaker in the Force. Yeah. So maybe he could take Gwaikon on one on one. He was certainly handling Gwaikon and Obi Wan together really well. Um, but that but was even after yeah, even after Obi Wan got knocked out for a little bit, Qui Gon kept pushing him back, pushing him back, pushing him back. 
Um, so that was a bit strange, but like you said, he needed to die. He he died because of, you know, plot. He could not have yeah. trained Anakin. I so mean, I it, get it. It would have been interesting to watch him go a little bit longer into the next movie, see some of that, you know, struggle within the order. Like, that could have been fleshed out more. Oh, and then die we didn't in a need, cooler way? Like, or, or or die in the same way just later. Like give us these moments where he's actually getting into debates with Yoda and 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 Mace Windu. You know, like, yeah, this and maybe been he leaves the order. He actually leaves the yeah. order, and Anakin he says you could either come with me or Obi Wan will train you. That would have been sure. Or maybe it, you could tell it that was inevitable, but he dies right before it happens. Right. Oh yeah. So yeah. it always leaves that door open. That would have been right. a good time to go, where you don't know if Qui Gon would have stuck around or not, because we know Count Dooku, who trained under Qui Gon, and Count Dooku played this card a lot of like this isn't what no Qui Gon wanted. Dooku trained under Yoda, I believe. Trained Qui Gon, right? Or was it? Oh, I no, got it I reversed. Yoda trained Dooku. Oh, they both trained under Yoda. Yoda trained Qui Gon too, right? I'm not sure of that. You, I, I don't know who trained Qui Gon. I'm going I with you. I thought it that. was Dooku. I don't know. <laughs> I really thought it was. No, well, no. The... I thought you said Dooku trained. No, Qui Gon trained Dooku. I thought you said, which is definitely not true. Oh, okay. Count Dooku is. Qui-Gon Jinn's former master. That is confirmed. Okay. That is true. And then true. Yoda just trained... Googled it, which is Dooku. what I meant the whole time. Gotcha. Yoda trained gotcha. Dooku, yeah. Right. That's what so, I meant this right. whole time. And now I realize I've said a bunch of different wrong things up until now. But <laughs> that is what I had always thought in my mind. And I wasn't sure of the Dooku connection with Qui-Gon, so that's good to know. There is the Dooku connection, and mm-hmm. Dooku's the one who was like, dude, the Jedi have no idea what's going on. They're so blind in their bureaucracy that they don't even know the plots yeah. getting played right underneath their noses. And it's interesting that that's the one who who trained Qui-Gon. I think Qui-Gon kind of had some of those vibes too, and there's some truth yeah. to those. And it would have been interesting to see those debates play out more and more interesting than seeing like you know these giant um supreme chancellor meetings and pod races and all this other stuff like show me the actual struggles within the jedi that <laughs> caused the system to fail right. for anakin like that's what i would want to see mm-hmm. yeah or seeing man even if they went into like a gray i mean what are we rewriting the thing but seeing dooku Anakin and Qui-Gon go into like their own gray Jedi faction instead of going full Sith. That would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, a schism. <laughs> a schism in the order. Now, that's a good like, you know, alternative uh history. That could have been episode 2. Thick p- premise. Well, it already happened before that. But... Yeah. I'm sure somebody's done it. <laughs> I think Qui-Gon just needed to go into the second movie, trained Anakin a little bit, show him what's possible in being a Jedi, but having that frustration with the Order and then dying. And then it's like, oh, like he died because the Jedi failed to 
act in full force against the Sith, and I, I've seen these conflicts play out. Maybe there's some problems here. And that leads us into another issue that they had, which was we talked about, like, they were like, impossible, there's no Sith, but you two should go check it out by yourselves. We'll sit here. It's like, right. you could say that their action led to Qui-Gon's death. Uh, absolutely. Now, I'm trying to remember specifically, why couldn't they call for reinforcements? I understand the beginning, they couldn't call for reinforcements. But after they met with the council, why couldn't they? The plan was they weren't entirely sure that the Sith were real. So they were like, okay, well, just in case, you guys need to go and broker an alliance between the Gungans and the people of oh, yeah. Naboo. That was a horrible idea. So it yeah, was like, okay. And then while they were doing that, Darth Maul shows up and Guaycon yeah. dies. <laughs> but this decision that the council made led to... Guaycon's death. I am easily. I no, am believing for it. sure. Like send they some of those other guys. How many laser sword dudes did they have that they could have sent over there to yeah. to add as protection? You know, to help them escape, to help them fight Maul. Just yeah. one Maul. It's Think like, about that scene in Attack of the Clones where there's like a hundred Jedi. Yeah, where were all like of 10. them? Why only yeah, send, send two? 10. Like what? Yeah. What else are they up to? That like investigating a potential Sith attack is only worth one master. Well, so that scene, oh, and maybe it was a little, no, it was that scene, I think, where Qui-Gon basically says, I'm going to train the boy, and I think Mace goes, well, we can't be talking about this stupid kid right now, they're re-electing a different chancellor. We have to pay attention to that. Yes. Okay, yeah. no, yeah. no, you don't. Yeah, you need to pay the attention to the literal chosen one. And you need to pay attention to the first Sith in a thousand years. What Preach. are you guys doing? <laughs> Preach. Exactly. <Come> and <laughs> as much as I think Qui-Gon Jinn is the embodiment of like a traditionalist Jedi, I think Mace Windu is the embodiment of this modern Jedi that was so caught up in bureaucracy. Like Mace Windu is so deep in the politics, more than Yoda, I'd say, that yeah. he – and it's – Another main reason why he's so at odds with Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, why they just hate each other, because Mace Windu is so embodied in this mentality of the modern Jedi being a political figure, a general yeah. in a war, all these other things, which a Jedi arguably should never have been. So it's interesting to see these two play out now, and I believe it's Mace Windu's inability to... Um, recognize the Sith threat as well as being too focused on this new Supreme Chancellor and he wasn't even able to do anything about that (laughs) so it's like all these things mixed together it was like dude what are you even doing a huge failure this huge Jedi menace for sure Um, Qui-Gon made some interesting choices but the real menace like you said here is definitely the council in episode one they were they did every possible thing wrong um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe. And then another thing, you have the famous line, um, I think it's even from that scene, or it might be later, I don't remember. But it, what, it's the uh, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Suff- yeah, oh, that's okay. a great line. So, so, yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I two, yeah, I, well, hold I, on. I, 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 uh, I, yeah, okay, go for it. I've thought okay, about well, that, though. We're coming back to that. Yes. Okay, the first thing is, instead of being super weird about the 
twelve-year-old or ten-year-old kid, the eight-year-old—I don't know how old he is—that just lost his mom. Okay, say, hey, you know, you can go visit whenever you want. We have spaceships. Not a big deal. (laughs) Two, you're gonna have tons of. He's obviously well off later. You could buy him, buy your mom from Watto. Fine. Um, or just or be nice take him, to him. Take her by force, yeah. Right, yeah. or just be nice to Anakin. Be like, hey, you got a new family. And none of that would have been a problem. Second thing with being afraid, multiple times they point out that, I got to figure out where it is in my notes, but it's, they're literally afraid to train Anakin. They say that they not are. like 10 minutes before. And what does being afraid do? It leads to anger, leads to hate, <laughs> leads to suffering. Don't be afraid to train the kid. Are they? <laughs> yeah, Listen I to mean the, the Jedi. Talk, saying the Jedi kind of contradict themselves constantly. Even yeah. the famous line from Obi Wan: "Only Sith deals in absolutes." <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's an absolute, Obi Wan. Right. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So I agree. And the, and the I, line, the um, where it's oh, there's always a master and an apprentice. You know, uh, the Sith always come in two. Okay, but not a thousand years ago. They, there were more Sith. There were a lot of Sith. Yeah. There were Sith wars. Right. That's also not true. They're very <laughs> headstrong, and they don't listen to anything. They don't even listen to themselves sometimes. Yeah, the rule of two thing was an interesting plot device to like write yourself into. Yeah, I kind of right? think it was a disservice to the Sith because like, why couldn't we have kept Darth Maul around and had Dooku there and you know Grievous and yeah. all these fun guys? But well, whatever. it's like a. It's like the line of Bane Sith, Sith thing. Like I'm not too familiar with that, but I think it's a specific sect of Sith. There's only the master and apprentice until they one kills the other. Right, uh, right, right. But even yeah. further back than that, there were you know as many Sith as Jedi. Right, and that's another thing. Like the Jedi didn't want to train Anakin. What the heck was that all about? Like I, right. I get that. Let's they ignore were the chosen and- one. Yeah, I get that they were worried, but they ran all their tests. He aced them all, and they were still like, "We won't train the boy." Okay, we will. It's like, what are you right. doing now? I mean, can you guys and they like did commit it in front of him too? Yeah, he's a little yeah. kid. You can't have this weird conversation about him. And then he even says later, "Oh, I don't want to be a bother." I'm like, "You're too nice, Anakin. You can yeah. you're gonna hate these people in a few years." So. They've already put him at odds with the rest of this of the council, which is yeah. not cool. And it's what they've written themselves into. I always liked that line from Yoda about um, fear leading to hate, anger, suffering. And I always thought that was just kind of like a, a summary of the Darth Vader arc, right? Because he starts out being afraid and then he, you know... Um, hates the like um sand people the tuscan raiders and he kills them all that's like his hate and then his fear of losing padme and then his suffering as existing as darth vader no absolutely it is the darth vader yeah but i think the way the jedi in the fall of the republic age handles it incredibly poorly you know they form no attachments they everything they do is to avoid that chain of events but instead of doing that, they could learn about something that they're fearful of and embrace it and try to f- change it and fix it instead of banishing it, which is yes. you know what they end up doing in all regards of this stuff. Yes, because you can tell like, yes, it comes from a good place of, oh, we remove ourselves from 
these worldly attachments so that we can act objectively. But it, it doesn't mean to ignore them and cut yourself right. off from them completely. There's Those are two very different things. Like you need to acknowledge that you l- are afraid of losing your mom and you and you love somebody and all these other things. And, and then you, from there, make those compromises. And I think that's what like the, the Disney movies tease the idea of. And I wish they went further, especially in... Um, uh, what was the name of that second movie, The Last Jedi, where they were like, let's just forget all this old Jedi Republic baloney and do our own thing. Like that was kind of one of the themes that they were teasing in the Disney movies. Yeah. And like, I feel like they picked up on something that was super interesting about the idea of the Jedi Order that was being teased in these movies. It's like, why are they dancing around these super yeah. interesting things? Why aren't they just like coming out and saying it? Like, do we really like, is this order really the white right way to be a Jedi? Is no one talking about what that means? I feel like the identity of the Jedi, like the PR crisis of the Jedi that they're having is that they can't be these dwar generals and also these unfeeling monks at the same time it's like systematically they're just not balanced properly and that's the whole thing and that's what luke mastered at the end when that's why they blew up the jedi texts and all these other things and it was all the genesis of it here luke was supposed to represent he was supposed to represent the return of the Jedi. He was supposed to, mm-hmm. hey, this order fell. It was really bad by the end. And now we have to look at it in a totally different way. They kind of, I don't think the Disney movie, they tease the idea because I think in Legends, he ha- really cr- recreates the Jedi order, not in the Republic sense. Mm-hmm. And in this, in the Disney movies, he didn't, I guess he did that a little, but they threw it out really quickly. And th- I would have liked to see that a yeah. Jedi, more Jedi, under the, t- the you know under the training of Luke, who was the return of a true Jedi. Yeah, it was supposed to be this like epic guy. So I would have liked yeah. to have seen that too. Um, but I'll say one of the highlights of Phantom Menace was the Duel of Fates, and if you watch the Mandalorian, there's like a I don't know if it's a bonus feature or if it's one of these, like, it was like a director roundtable discussion, and Dave Filoni was part of that roundtable, and he's, you know, the champion behind Clone Wars and all that, and they've given him a a huge creative director seat. Uh, You know, he's a big episodes one, two, three fanboy who's kind of bringing those visions into the modern stuff, and people are really liking him for that. And he goes on this long thing about the Duel of Fates, which I think is relevant to our discussion now of the Jedi Menace. He he says, like, the Duel of Fates is essentially the fate for Anakin. Like, who will win in this moment, Gwycon or Anakin? Be- uh, I mean, Gwycon or, uh, or um, Darth Maul. <laughs> Maul. Yeah. Right? And it's not, it's the duel, it's called the Duel of Fates because it ultimately determines the path for Anakin of what, you know, what's yeah. going to also, prevail yeah. in these moments. And he's basically saying that Guaycon was this, what Anakin needed and what he lost. And I highly recommend anyone listening to go and watching that because it, it recontextualizes a lot of episode one, which gets a bad rap and maybe rightfully so in a lot of ways, but it had so much potential. And I think Dave Filoni was touching on how much potential that some of these moments had. And I wanted to talk about the duel of fate specifically in how it represented 
the importance of Gwai Khan and his philosophy mm-hmm. about the Jedi and the fact that he died in that moment kind of signified like Anakin's fate was lost in that fight and there was yeah. just no saving it. Yeah, I mean, Duel is literally used as, what, a homophone? Duel as in a <laughs> duality of, you know, which direction his life is going to go in, but also it's a literal duel, you know? Yes. Yeah, no. And I had never considered it that way, and you it only takes looking back on it and recontextualizing it to be yeah. like, oh, yeah, I guess it, it does mean that. Maybe they thought more about it than... Than I thought, but I don't like to I, give see, Lucas yeah, that much credit. <laughs> that's, there are so many things here that I feel like it can't be by chance. That's called there the so many, Like you have no, to no, give not it just that, not that. just that, not just that. Just a lot of the stuff Qui Gon says, things that Obi Wan says, just plot things that like are perfect. Like behind the scenes, if you look for the context, they're there based on the rest of the movies, Clone Wars comics. But did they really think that far out, or did they kind of just get lucky? <laughs> and I really don't know which it is. <laughs> I I feel like it's a bit of a combination of both. I, guess, yeah. I feel like trying to get these Star Wars movies into a coherent story has always been a struggle for whatever reason. And, and sometimes they stumble onto great things, and sometimes they get a little distracted. But the Duel of Fates was one of those ones. It's an awesome. It's like stands out still, uh, and all the Star Wars moments. It's up there at the top. It, it punches oh, way yeah. above its weight in terms of the movie that it's in. Like it hits. You could cut really it well. out of Phantom Menace, and it would work. It's Any, you know, super good. It's really good. And you know what it made me think of? Like what the episodes one, two, and three did incredibly well. That makes me even more frustrated about the Disney ones. It's like, what did Disney have against lightsaber fights? I feel like (laughs) you got to give episode one credit in that it came from return of the Jedi, which the lightsaber battles were like clunky, just two dudes, like like hitting each other with, with with plastic sticks to, okay. CGI acrobatics. And like, they're jumping around, they're flipping around, they're, they're, clashing like crazy there's all this yeah. dramatic music playing this all these different set pieces it took jedi battles to the next level and the disney movies weren't able to live up to that all these no. jedi battles are incredible like this movie starts off where they're killing a bunch of droids and I it's awesome specifically in my notes i mean stay tuned for our next episode <laughs> yeah. which talks about which talks about a lot of these things nice uh, plug one of yeah one of my favorite things about so after think about con, uh, you know the context of this movie you go so many years without a star wars really anything there were no shows back then right um and the first not with the first thing but the first jedi thing you say two jedis in a hood they take off the hoods Oh, this is cool. Then you see the lightsabers in the poison mist. You just see the blades. And then they go to town on a bunch of droids. Yeah, they cut down doors, which is cool. Like, they put a hole in the door. I don't know if that... Did did Obi-Wan do that in... uh, He did in the Death Star, maybe. He, like, slowly cut a hole. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Okay, but still... But it's exactly what you wanted from Jedi. So far beyond what the original trilogy did, and it's what you you see them like practicing sword moves and like the behind the scenes and stuff. They put a lot of work into the choreography for those fights, and it's so incredible. It's so incredible. It's not Alec Guinness who I I bet barely cared enough to be on set long enough to film those (laughs) scenes, and then some like seven foot tall Irish dude in a in a costume. 
can't even see out of and they're like hitting each other with lightsabers you know it's come such a long way and it was so much it's so much fun and the duel of fates is incredible and of course that i'm forgetting the name of the actor that plays darth maul but he's known for all of his acrobatic stunts and he crushes it out of the park that that character made those movies basically made the pr for those movies and and the, the duel of fates was exceptional but it highlights it highlights what we needed from the Jedi and what we lost from the Jedi that yeah. set off this whole systematic failure for Anakin that we're trying to talk about today to get to bring it back home. Yeah. Cool. Dead air. We're going to have to time code that. We're going to have to <laughs> No, time code we're that. doing good. We're doing good. We're, we're, we're letting it running. sink in. We're letting Let it, it run. sink in. Taking a beat. We're taking a beat. <laughs> sure, sure. Maybe we'll take it out. But uh, we don't. Is have there any? To. Is there anything else that um, we want to bring up? We're coming up the fifty-minute mark here, so we're at the position where we can start winding it down. But we also have the opportunity to bring up another topic for discussion. Well, I'm looking the through Jedi my notes Menace. right now. Oh, oh yeah, the Jedi Menace. I'm looking through my who, notes. Who, I I put my notes are a little disjointed with the uh, with our next episode. Because oh, I did yeah. all, the, yeah, I wanna... did everything at the same time. Got it. But I don't want to give anything away. Was, no, you don't, and that's um, smart. So, I, I, you know, we talked a lot about the Jedi Menace today, and it, it also, you know, what you know, what scene you had me thinking of when Gui, when Guicon, which when Guicon cheats at at dice. Well, he kind of um, the but dice he cheats for sure, but the dice were, I assume, were rigged to not work it's very possible like i thought that Watto knew he was gonna win because he had loaded dice and then guaycon cheated but i think like that's kind of a fun thing of like look there's a little give and pull with the abject morality of the jedi right like <laughs> well i mean Qui-Gon specifically is an interesting character because he's like chaotic good He's very, he's, I mean, Obi-Wan at one point was like, oh, thank God I could take my test because you are definitely grading on me a little bit. But I mean, he loves Qui-Gon and he really loved him as a master, but I forgot what he said specifically, but he was like, thank God. But um, yeah, I mean, he does, he does a few suspect things. He does the um, uh, force... Oh, he, he tries to do that to Watto, yeah. Watto, he did it to the, the mind tricks, uh, you mean? <laughs> mind tricks, yeah. Um, he did that a few times, all in mostly survival ways. Like, he needed to get out of the Gungan place. Uh, he did <laughs> steal Anakin's blood without telling anybody, which is a little weird. <laughs> it's a little bit of blood. He also, right. He, uh, he also um, wagers Anakin's pod without telling anybody. He just puts, <laughs> He just goes for that. And he goes on a lot of faith that the Force is going to handle everything. He's in, uh, he's he's definitely not <laughs> as morally sound as the rest of the Jedi and as Obi Wan. He kind of just lets it go. He rolls with it. Yeah, and I kind of like that about him. And it's kind oh, of like that him, that piece weird. that's missing, right? Like that piece. <laughs> yeah. Like he was kind of that last piece of what the Jedi were arguably right. supposed to be. He is and, not um, a good modern Jedi. He's a very bad modern Jedi. 
Right. But he right. is he's I kind think, of seen as yeah. like, oh, that weirdo who's out in the field, you know, like yeah. who's who's too eccentric to just come in and be part of the council like right. a normal Jedi master. And I think even Yoda was like, you could be part of the council, you know, and he's like, nah, yep. nah, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> no, I, I think they won't let they they have to what recommend you to be on the council and they don't want him there. He's powerful enough with the force and wise enough, but I don't think he's up to the code I just don't think I think they that. just found him a bit peculiar and didn't want him on this and I don't think he wanted to be on was a whole nother piece of oh, it oh no I don't he, think he had any interest. he had no interest that's the vibe I get from him anyway so yeah. man we, we talked a lot about Guacon but I think you know he's strategically supposed to be this whole idea of the Jedi menace and the fact that he wasn't able to play a part in the movies later on is a huge indicator yeah. um I do want to just get back to Yoda and Mace Windu, man. They they let us down <laughs> in this movie oh, yeah. hard. They barely did anything. Like I feel like Yoda is supposed to be like this huge, like big reveal. Like yay, it's Yoda, and he's barely in it. He doesn't say anything. I don't think it's until um, well, he had his big line, the uh, yeah, fear, yeah, hate. Yeah, yeah. But no, I agree. Clone Wars, you... he um, the Dooku no, not, fight, not Clone Wars. Yeah, Clone Wars. He, well, Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. Thank you. Yeah. Attack of the Clones. He gets the he gets the fight. Um, with Dude. That was correct. a good fight too. Yeah. And that was when he was CGI for the first time. He was. We forget he was a puppet originally in Episode One, and then was full CGI. You could see his legs and see him do flips yeah. and stuff. I remember that. I remember watching that over and over again as a kid, being like, "Whoa!" Like, Yoda fighting like jumping around and fighting but we'll get into that later uh, yeah those uh, the lightsaber fight the duels are undoubtedly the mm. best part of any of the prequels and then of course the um anakin obi-wan duel at the end is like amazing. oh yeah that's like the <laughs> magnum opus basically we, we haven't seen a good lightsaber fight since unfortunately that was like the last good oh, one yeah i mean disney did a little bit i i mean I don't know what everybody's opinion on it is, if it's too fan servicey or not, but I tell shut up, it's fun. The Darth Vader slaughter and Luke killing all uh killing all Oh, oh yeah, well, yeah. That's not a lightsaber duel though. But no, that no, was but fun. it's the first Disney like real lightsaber. Yeah, action. it made me be like, Man, I wish we could see Darth Vader with today's movie making technology, you mm -hmm. know. He's supposed to be insanely powerful but it's hard to picture that in those original movies where the technology just wasn't there yeah um but yeah rogue one that was like worth the price of the admission is that scene at the end i thought it yeah. i mean it it was super fan servicey it was totally unnecessary but it was cool to watch <laughs> right I, I enjoyed it to watch full force vader like throwing people yeah. around now, sometimes star wars fans don't even like to have fun that was fun, and people hate <laughs> on it sometimes. Like, come on. Yeah, originally people were all for it, but there seems to be kind of like a, you know, people, it ebbs and flows the opinion of that yeah. movie. Um, and we can talk about that movie forever, too. I have opinions on it, but to, we're talking about <laughs> episode one. I, the Jedi Menace, I think, I don't want to, I think we've said it all. Have I mean, said it you all? could go Is into, there another I point? mean, not I didn't nothing big. We could go into some of the weird stuff Qui Gon did that was probably wrong, but I mean we gave Yoda and Mace a lot of hate, but Qui Gon did a couple of odd things too. 
He contradicts he, himself. I a few mean, times. yeah, he is not perfect. He he no. just happened to be the one. To but he's he's like, not supposed to be have perfect. the good sense to not meddle in yeah. the council affairs. He's very cause driven out in the world, mm-hmm. and I appreciated him for that. And I just I think these movies had the missed opportunity to show us that and question what it is to be a Jedi. You know, that's something we never really fully got, and I just think people were afraid to be like hey we don't need to get this high level of are jedi not cool it's like jedi are just supposed to be cool like that's what yeah any just average popcorn movie theater goer would want to see it's like oh yeah jedi they're cool they flip around they do stuff no one wants right. to see like the inner machinations of the politics of them but i think the fans do and and that's where these movies let us down you know instead well, we got to charge our banks on pod racing whoa, whoa. and all these other things <laughs> That well, alluding to that is, oh, actually, I alluded to it before. The overarching Jedi, like, I totally had a point that I, <laughs> what I had, it was a good point too, and I it totally just. Uh, I'm sure it was fantastic. It was a so we point. were talking about, uh, we were talking about. Um, the movie going experience and right. Jedi just supposed to be cool and not getting oh, into yes. the okay. inner So tumult. earlier, yeah, earlier I said that it's some of the stuff is too on the nose to be just luck. This is one of those mm. things. Like if you just go to watch one of these movies, oh, the Jedi are cool. That's cool. That's great. Look at them. But if you really look for specific things and watch it through a specific lens, there is, there's really a lot more to this. Like Qui-Gon is actually a really fleshed out character if you extrapolate a little. And you could see some of the stuff. <laughs> yes. Right. And you, but a lot of Obi Wan's growth through the movies and his what his character became in the second movie, and then how he acted in the third movie, ha, really has inklings already in this movie. I have to say that's not by accident. But it's only if you extrapolate. Yeah. Okay, I already know all of this about Obi Wan. I watched the Clone Wars. I watched Episode Two and Three, and I can see I could pinpoint these things and extrapolate them out. And wow, that's pretty cool that they thought of that. Or did they think of that? It's so... It's, <laughs> Star Wars is so That's, weird, man. Yeah. No, I think you touched on something really interesting because it's true. There's, I think that's what allowed things like Legends and Clone yeah. Wars and the Extended Universe to really take off. Because this is what Episodes 1, 2, and 3 did well. Maybe objectively they're not great movies or they're kind of cheeseball or whatever. But they blew the doors off for things like Jedi lore cool. of Star Wars and Jedi uh, yeah, being that cool. Too, yeah. And it has fueled the fandom for 20 years. And you gotta give respect to that. And they were teasing these questions that we're asking yeah. today, all these years later of, hey, we're like, what the Jedi were failing and we think of them as cool, but there's some systematic mm-hmm. issues here and it starts here. And I do believe that they had thought of that and they brought that into it but they're balancing this hard line between telling a high level deep lore story and also servicing hundreds of millions of people who just casually will watch the next star wars movie in theaters you know so they're balancing that hard line they're trying to write for everybody and some of that fell through the cracks and it's just 
for some reason, it's been hard for people to write Star Wars in that way, yeah. and I think that's why it's do- going to be. I think that's why it's doing so well in television medium, where the stakes are lower and and they're able to explore one thing very deeply. And if that show, there's other shows that will explore other things, and I think that's why people were frustrated with the Disney movies and frustrating with the retcon of a lot of the extended universe stuff and frustrated with where we saw luke skywalker because we we wanted to see where all of these stories were going we wanted to get into it as like star wars fans right Right. and then there's just movie fans and casual people who aren't fans of anything that just want to go see a movie on the weekend so it's yeah we're all trying to exist in the same space yeah but that's another thing like you said they're not even written that well for just moviegoers (laughs) i went to see i forgot who i went to see one of the disney ones with and they were like what the heck's going on? I don't understand <laughs> any of this. Yeah. At least in, you know, one of the old, even one of these, you could be like, oh, there's a bad guy. His face is red. <laughs> I gotta, they gotta fight him. No. Oh, there's something weird going on with this guy in the cloak. Like, the at least the, the prequels did better mass audience appeal-wise, I think, than the Disney movies. Ah, I don't know. I kind of remember when episode one came out, people hating it. I don't remember. I'm, I I enjoyed it I, when it came out, but I'd I mean, like to see. We what, were like, young and impressionable. Well, right. So I don't remember like my parents thought of it. I mean, they probably hated it anyway. Yeah, I mean they. I mean, I'm sure they've got the same reactions that Force Awakens got. You know, it's confliction. But I give like to me the episodes one, two, and three are just how I picture Star Wars, and I. That's just because they did such a good job of setting this foundation. Whether or not the movie's delivered, we wanted more. We wanted more of this Jedi yeah. menace theme explored, and, and we got some other stuff instead. But uh, what was they're reaching there? on it though? They're reaching stuff. on it. Like Mandalorian goes into that a bit, but specifically with the uh, Empire. The newest season of Clone Wars went into it, where Ahsoka's friends were like, "Oh, I hate the Jedi." Th- those. Yeah politicking like bureaucratic like people that think they're better than us and have been ignoring us yeah. for centuries it's like oh they're getting into it they're they're getting a lot into of it. the clone war even before that i mean you had the whole ahsoka arc where she got kicked out yeah. but but even before that there were a lot of things talking about just war talking about how the jedi i mean i think obi-wan even states a bunch of times why are we here? Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's like they got so far into it that now they're just leading the charge of a battle that's right. lost, like, sides. So, It never uh, had sides to begin with. <laughs> yeah. It never had sides in the first place. And they couldn't tell. That's the, the worst part. You know, that's the biggest, the biggest menace to the Jedi is, you know, themselves. It's not the Sith. They, they missed all of this. And it was yeah. literally down the hall. Well, not literally, but yeah. down the block <laughs> it on was, Coruscant. Yeah, I mean, he was playing both sides. He was a genius. And uh, their failure to see it makes him the Jedi menace. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty well, good. I'm I'm happy with where we're at. You know, you had been teasing the next episode. You want to kind of yeah, explain I'll, uh, a little more what's coming down the pipe? So our next episode is again going to be um, episode one base. We are Roger Roger, the episode one podcast. <laughs> and 
Not actually, gonna, though. No. Please. <laughs> no, it's, people might actually just, believe that. Right. We are new. Um, it's going to be the best and the worst of episode one. We're going to talk about our three favorite things and three least favorite things, and we're not going to tell each other what they are. Going to blindside each other with some ideas, some topics to talk about, and should be pretty good. We might have overlapping ones. I know I'm going to avoid two just because I think Charles might say it, plus everybody says it. Oh, man, what so, if I have avoided it, and then we just don't talk about it? <laughs> well, that's, we'll get there. Well, yes, yeah, we'll that's see. the nature we'll of it. The best and the worst of episode one, something you can look forward to on the Roger Roger podcast, everybody. <laughs> See you guys next time. <laughs> See you next time. And remember, follow us on social media at the Roger at Roger Roger Pod. R-O-G-E-R-R-O-G-E-R-P-O-D. We are there. And then RogerRogerPod.com for all the episodes of which there's currently only one. So this will be number two. Thank you all so much and for listening. You li- oh. Oh, <laughs> just go for stepped it. over your line. Go for it. Go, go, go. I got nothing else to say. Oh, <laughs> thank you for listening. Okay. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye. We're working on it. We're working on it. Thank you for your patience as we oh, get through these God. early episodes. Thank you for listening. We're professional. You, you guys are the OG, OG fans. Thank you. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you next time for more Star Wars content. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>
Roger. 